and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is the mid-week show, but it's kind of a little late, and it's a late deal because everything this week got a little bit delayed. We ended up having some issues with the X-Men podcast, and that kind of pushed everything back about a day and a half. So I apologize, but we're going to do this the way it was intended anyway. And so with that, I'm going to be talking a little bit of news. And I'm going to be doing maybe a review or two of some side books that I enjoy, but we may not actually feature on the regular show. That's what this midweek show is all about. Now, next week, we end up having some bigger books that we're going to have on the midweek show. And I may even have a special guest talking to me or with me about said books. But before we go into this week's show, please go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics, follow us, we'll follow you back. Go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, and check out reviews from this week's books. And then go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science to help us out for everything we do here on the feed, but get a ton of exclusive Patreon-only shows in return. There's a bunch of stuff that's very Marvel-centric. I am doing a Ultimate Marvel Universe Reading Club podcast. We end up doing uh, the Infinity Gauntlet right now. Me and my man, Matt, who, if you listen to the Star Wars podcast, you'll know Matt. Me and him are going through Infinity Gauntlet on our comic book Crisis Power Hour podcast. And we end up each week, and we mention this all the time, the show formerly known as the Patreon Spotlight. I decided to change the name, at least for this podcast, and it's now going to be called the Marvel Comics Badass Picks of the Week. I think that that's more descriptive because it is the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Uh, uh, they get to pick two books from that week's books, and that's featured on an exclusive Patreon-only spotlight show. And this week, they ended up picking New Fantastic Four number two and Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings number one. So some pretty cool books. I'm a big Gene Luen Yang fan. The problem is, is that we keep coming back with Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, and they just keep restarting it, resetting it, and it's kind of getting a little annoying. And New Fantastic Four number two, though, is a book that I actually have some fun with, even though even this issue is a little bit, you know, kind of meandering. But you'd have to go over to the Patreon spotlight to check that out. And all of the links for everything that is Weird Science will be in the show notes of this and every podcast. And it's in the campsite bio link. Hit that. You can get all the links to everything going on, weird science. And yeah, I hope that people get excited and maybe want to hear more and more and more. Now, just as a little bit of a let's look ahead, in August, we will have an annuals week, which is a fifth week of books, which means that week, the final week of the month, will be Patreon only. So that's something to go. And we like to have fun with that Patreon-only show as well. But with all of that, it's time to kick it in here. I'm going to be doing this with my, as I say, my three least favorite friends, me, myself, and I, as we go right now to the news. The the news. And it's time for the news, and I have two news stories here, starting with 
a Peter David book that was just announced. Joe Fixit is back as Peter David returns to the Gray Hulk. And Peter David's had a huge resurgence with these books going back to his previous runs, filling in some blanks, continuing some stuff. I mean, really, he really is. If you're a Peter David fan, things are coming up roses for everyone. Writer Peter David's tour of his own Marvel Comics Greatest Hits continues in 2023 with Joe Fixit number one. A limited series focusing naturally on the Hulk's gray skin, Vegas tough guy, incarnation of the same name. And I don't have a ton of background with Joe Fixit. I have not been reading comics most of my life, but I love when these things kind of pop up. That gets me inspired to go and read some of the older stuff as well. Again, I didn't start reading comics until 2011. So I'm just a spring chicken is what I am. Or just a chicken sometimes. David's new limited series created alongside artist Yildiray Snar will be set in the time of David's original Hulk run. I hate that his name, Peter David. And then you say David, and I'm like, David, who's, oh, oh, Peter David. That's Mr. David to me. And I had a friend named David Todd. And I, I don't know. I don't trust people with a lot of first names as their whole name. Though David Todd's dad was probably the best dungeon master I've ever played Dungeons and Dragons with. We ended up playing the Keep on the Borderlands for this weekend that I ended up sleeping over. And if you are, you know, familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, Keep on the Borderlands, not very exciting. That's introductory stuff. But in that, a whole weekend, me and David and his dad being the dungeon master, we never even got out of the town. We ended up having so much fun. And his dad was acting stuff out. And, oh, it was the best thing ever. It was so great. Uh, until then, they realized because they were very religious. And then somehow, I think David's mom ended up saying, oh, my God, I just heard that that was satanic. And that was the end of it. We were never allowed to play at David Todd's house again. But I ended up going to the, a different junior high than him like a couple months later. Never talked to him again. David's new limited series created alongside artist Yildur Star will be set in the time of David's original Hulk run. Similar to how his symbiote Spider-Man and Maestro limited series have been set in the era of David's original 80s, 90s time at Marvel Comics. Like I said, it's, it's like coming up. Everything's coming up. Peter David, it seems. And most of the stuff, pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Joe Fixit number one is due out sometime in 2023 with no specific release date. Yet announced, but a little Joe Fixit. Everybody could use a little Joe Fixit right around the house. I think so. The next deal is a spooky announcement. Marvel sends Wolverine, Moon Knight, and more into a crypt of shadows this Halloween. Oh my goodness. Halloween to me is the second spookiest holiday after July 4th. That's just me. But then again, my birthday's July 3rd, and my mom and dad would fool me. And tell me that the fireworks were for my birthday That seemed a little weird to me This October, join Marvel Comics And some of your favorite heroes For tales of fangs Get this, fangs, claws And silent stalking swamp creatures To celebrate All Hallows Eve Encrypt the Shadows number one Paying homage to the original 1970s Crypt the Shadows anthology series This giant size one shot Will feature a collection of stories That showcase just how creepy The Marvel Universe can be and I don't know what's creepier, the Marvel Universe or anthology books, because I don't like it. I end up where you should be getting more bang for your buck. That's kind of maybe the concept of it. But I always end up, and especially recently, it's like you get six stories, five are duds, one's okay, and then you feel like you've been robbed. That's what happens with me. Fans can expect supernatural adventure starring 
Moon Knight. All right. Wolverine. Elza Bloodstone. I like Elza Bloodstone. Man Thing, of course. And Werewolf by Night. That's pretty cool. Werewolf by Night. Worst name ever, but pretty cool character. Plus the return of Bloodline, the daughter of Blade, who made her first appearance earlier this year in Free Comic Book Day, Avengers X-Men number one. Now, I know that some people like Bloodline. I thought it was ridiculous, and I'm not a huge Danny Lore fan, and I'm sure without even looking ahead that that's Danny Lore is going to come back with Bloodline. Not a big fan. Bringing the horror will be the incredible lineup of talent, including former Marvel editor Chris Cooper. Oh, my God. Is Cecil Cooper there? The ex-brewer? That'd be pretty cool. I don't even know if he's around anymore. Known for his groundbreaking work on the original Darkhold series with a story featuring Morbius and the star of Cooper's Darkhold saga, Victoria Montesi. Oh, my. Victoria Montesi's back. Joining him with spine-chilling tales of their own will be creators Al Ewing. Oh, my. Al. Danny Lore. There we go. Rebecca Roanhorse. Adam Warren. Chris Condon. Karen S. Darbeau. Jeff Shaw, Ibrahim Mustafa, and more. So look for that around Halloween time, All Hallows' Eve. Maybe Cecil Cooper does have a story in there. In that, I think it would be talking about Storm and Gorman Thomas, one of the biggest monsters there was. That guy was big. Gorman Thomas. All right, where's Robin Yount? Here we go, though. That is it for the news. Thanks for listening with me on that. And now we're going to go off to... Maybe here's the thing I have in mind that I'm going to do two books. I might end up rolling my 20 sided die. See, I'm a, a nerd like that. This I end up where I was yelling and screaming all week about if you remember Chris Hardwick, who would end up pretending he's a nerd. I still think it's all pretend. And I would say that he'd go on like a talk show and they'd be like, hey, do you have a picture of something? And, oh, let me go in my pocket. Oh, my, my 20 sided die. I can't believe I brought this here. I'm like, get out of town, you jerk. Hated that guy. But maybe I have a 20-sided die. Maybe I'm the nerd for these times, right? I don't have one. But what I was going to say is I'm going to decide if I'm going to do two books. It's going to be kind of a a toss-up deal. I may. We'll see. But, uh, hey, that's the mystery. That's kind of the games we're playing here. So I'll be back with something. One or two books in just a moment. All right. I think we'll go through two books this week. One from last week, one that came out new this week. And we'll start with last week's book, which is Captain Carter number four. And if you aren't reading Captain Carter, it's pretty much Peggy Carter is kind of Captain America. But maybe, you know, Captain Carter, because that's what she is. She was in the ice. They brought her out. This whole thing ends up being... A connection with the prime minister who's kind of a hateful guy. We'll find out he's a little more than that in this issue. But also where Peggy, she wants to do good, but as she's, you know, out of time, she doesn't realize that while there has been progress in certain areas, some there hasn't been. And Jamie McKelvey gets a little bit political here. And I'm not a big politics guy. But I know that politics are in comics. I mean, I'm not going to get involved in that fight. What I'm going to get involved in is tell you that I think the politics in this are very surface level. I think that they show up in a very unnatural, forced way. And oftentimes, like in this issue, you end up slamming on the brakes of any momentum or any plot progression at that point to just have a mouthpiece for Jamie McKelvey 
to go, woe is us. This is how things are. Oh, my God. Some people are poor. Some people are rich. We got to all come together. All that. Overall, like I said, the actual politics, they're just a little too surface level for me. And when we get to it, I'll explain a little more. But here is the stats. It is Captain Carter number four, written by Jamie McKelvey, art by Mariko Cresta, colors by Matt Nilla, letters by VCs Clayton Kells. Here is the recap. After surviving an assassination attempt by fellow strike agents, Lizzie Braddock enlisted Captain Peggy Carter and Peggy's friend Harley to help unravel the conspiracy. Peggy's competence as a spy combined with Harley's master tech skills and pretty good on the the music side of things as well helped identify one of the assassins, Lizzie's teammate, Jack Collins, who definitely sounds like he's a star of a soap opera. But not before Peggy was ambushed by the same group responsible for attacking Lizzie, Peggy managed to escape. With the help of Tony Stark, she tracked a mysterious woman who was with the assassins when the fight broke out and who now has Peggy and Tony cornered in yet another fight. And that is Peggy's big mystery, is who this mystery woman is that keeps kind of popping up. Peggy will walk down the hall, any room she looks in, this lady's staring back at her. She looks like she's scowling, she's all pissed off. And in this, there's this big fight going on, and you do get to see, you know, Tony and Peggy fighting. Pretty cool, but it just kind of extends a little until... You end up having Peggy fighting one guy and, and that woman escapes and you end up Peggy says, I'll take care of these five million people fighting me. Tony, you go, go get your eyes in the sky. See where this woman went. I don't want her to get away again because she does keep slipping away. Tony goes up, says on it and then says, we lost her. Can't find her. Oh, my God. And then looks behind and sees this big dude coming at Peggy. And when they're fighting, this guy is like taking a lot of damage and you end up having Tony scan this guy and he doesn't have a heat signature. He doesn't have a heartbeat. They say he's like an android. He's a synthoid. What's going on here? And that's one of the mysteries going on. But as that's happening, a bunch more show up in this van. I mean, they're piling out like they're clowns in a circus. And they got to get out of there. Tony then grabs Peggy and they get the hell out. They they can't fight. They got to get out or they're going to get just destroyed. So they end up escaping and they go home. But before they end up going back and home at this point is their friend Harley's apartment, which I think is kind of silly. She's in the same apartment building that Peggy lives in. I think she lives right above in the next floor. I would think that Strike would have went through and at least checked that building, at least looked at things. but. You go with it. But this is where I was talking about the unnaturalness of this conversation, the way that all of a sudden in a in a kind of a cool scene, you get a big fight scene, Peggy, Tony fighting around, you know, having that deal. And then you go back to Lizzie and Harley who are trying to find some things online. They're looking at tech and whatnot. And then just Lizzie's like, man, you must have had a computer growing up. And then Harley's like, no, we were poor. And then Lizzie says, what? Everybody had a computer, right? I'm rich, and I think that everybody has a computer. And then you have Harley say, well, I'm poor, and I didn't, so shut your mouth. And they kind of come with this like, oh, my God, I think that I'm now walking in your shoes. I realize these things. It's just, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad message. It's just, it comes off so forced. And you almost, I mean, they might as well. Put Jamie McKelvey in the scene with him, like as he's, you know, making him say this stuff, because that's all I could think of is this is just him 
you know, trying to, you know, get people, oh, man, he really gets it. Oh, geez. And I don't know anything about Jamie McKelvey. I don't know his background, rich, poor, middle class, whatnot. But I grew up, I was pretty poor. But I, I don't sit here and say it all the time. But let me tell you, I was really, really poor. I mean, I was so poor. I want everybody as I'm saying that. How poor were you? Well, I couldn't pay attention. See, there you go. I got involved, too. I'm doing it. But yeah, you have this, and it's like two or three pages. It just goes on too long. They get a knock on the door. Now, that could be problem. And they end up where Harley goes over. You know, Lizzie hides in the corner. Uh, you end up having Harley go over, crack the door open, and like, who are you, dude? Because there's just a guy. Now, I will tell you that I like the art in this. I like the art for the most part. But because we've had so many people that just kind of come and go, and I don't really recognize a lot of them yeah i recognize our main characters but we've had a couple agents we've had some officials and things like that that i couldn't tell you them from adam so when this guy's at the door i'm like is this one of the people that was in that or they strike i i didn't know but it's not it's actually tony using like a holographic camouflage type deal to look like this guy while while peggy is invisible with some stark tech with him and it's funny because if anybody's watching this apartment, the jig is up and gone. I mean, seriously, it's like, hi, Harley, I'm a friend of a friend, an old friend. Can I come in? And then Harley's like, what the heck's going on? Like, hey, you're going to have to be more specific. Oh, you're right to be cautious, kid. I just cartered myself over here. Oh, you cut. Uh, it'd be funny. He's like, yup. And then later on, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of a kinky side and I might peggy myself. That would be disgusting. And so, like, what else are you going to say? Hey there, I'm Captain Cartering myself down the hall there, Peggy. I mean, seriously, you might as well just go, Psst, it's me, Tony Stark, and, and Peggy's invisible. If anybody's listening, they're going to know what's happening. There's no way they're not going to know it. Okay, dude, and they let him in. And even then, I mean, the idea of somebody's watching, everything's done, but they go in, and then you end up revealing Stark Tech. There's Peggy there, there's Tony. Like, all right, well, we ended up, you know, fighting these people, this woman, we need to find out who it is. Come on, let's try to figure this out more. But in the meantime, they're going to go back to the big mystery and what you ended up having Lizzie and Harley were working on was Prime Minister Williams. He seems to be a fake. Everything from pictures of him at university, all these were photoshopped. They were fakes. Now, nobody realized this except Harley. Harley had an eye for it. And she ended up seeing that and like, yeah, it's very good, but I can tell that's been fake. But that's a weird play. How do you fake photos? To say you went to a university, say when there are people that went there, wouldn't they come out and say, especially for somebody as high profile as a prime minister, if they end up like Prime Minister Williams, he went to Oxford. There he is. Here's a picture of him, you know, at the Yacht Club. And then all the other people in the picture are like, no, 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 I don't know who that is. He wasn't ever there. I mean, this would be something that would come about. And that's what's confusing. And Tony realizes that one of the guys dominic lewis who went to school with you know quote unquote went to school with the prime minister williams is a friend of tony's tony knows this guy so he says i can you know get a meeting with him we'll figure out something and the play is what tony is going to do is say 
Hey, buddy, do you know the prime minister? Didn't you go to school with him? Because I want to set up a meeting with him. And it is Tony Stark. So that's not anything out of the you know realm of possibility. So they do go to meet Dom and talk to him in the restaurant. Peggy goes as almost like a, an assistant. And in the meantime, you have Harley and Lizzie out in the car listening in and watching. So they end up going to talk to this guy. And things, you know, are going, I guess, smoothly. And smoothly, I say, they're not getting kind of the information they want. Because, hey, did you go to school with this, you know, prime minister? Oh, yeah, yeah, I went to school with Prime Minister Williams. Oh, really? Because I want to get a hold of him. I can't get to him. I want to end up setting up a meeting. I have some things I think he would really be interested in. Is there any way you can set it up? And Dom's like, oh, yeah. I can set up a tennis match or something. Yeah, that'll, that'll be something I can do. But you'll have to excuse me. I'm going to go up on the roof. You know, I, I smoke. I know it's a bad habit, whatnot. But hey, everybody's got to have their vice, right? So he goes upstairs to the, you know, the roof to smoke while Peggy and Tony continue to talk. And Lizzie and Harley see on their phone that there's been an announcement from the Prime Minister, that Captain Peggy Carter's now wanted for multiple murders, and there'll be a live press conference with Prime Minister Harry Williams coming up, and he is having it here. And there is, you know, a big deal. Oh, she ended up murdering strike team members. Oh, goodness, she is the worst. She must have been corrupted. She came out of the ice bad, all that stuff going on. And, yeah, this is a power play uh, by Williams, and, yeah, he's the bad guy. So... You have that going on. They're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? In the meantime, Dom hasn't come back. He's still up on the roof, which Tony's like, I better go check on him. And when he goes up, Dom is standing on the ledge. Now, this is a busy you know, roof. There's a lot of people sitting, eating, whatnot. And I guess he just walked over to the ledge and stood on it. And Tony runs out and goes, whoa, whoa, Dominic, step back. Don't Don't do anything rash. And you end up having Dom, who's crying, turns around and says, I can't. I have to do this, Tony. He's making me. And then Tony's like, whoa, whoa, tell me, like, who's making you? Come on, it's okay. And he jumps off. He commits suicide. And Tony even flies over to try to stop him, but it's too late. This guy dies. And so a big play is who's doing this? Who is this person? You kind of get the idea it has to be the prime minister. I mean, that's obvious. but. You know, what's the deal? How is this happening? What's going on? And they're kind of reeling from this. They go back to Harley's apartment. And they start looking at, you know, pictures of this woman that has been stalking and attacking Peggy and realize that it is a Lady Jacqueline Fallsworth who's part of the House of Lords. So it's somebody known. But the big thing is they're trying to figure out stuff about her. And it kind of leads to this picture of her mother and they look like twins. Oh my God. They look exactly alike and whatnot. And they pretty much figure out quickly. Oh, that's the same woman. You end up even Harley saying, I think that that's the same woman. So, well, how can that be? This mother is like a hundred years old, but she's young. How is this? And this is going to lead to what they figure out in kind of a forced quick way. But when they do look at that, they're like, okay, well, what's the connection with Williams? Well, then they figure out that Lord John Fallsworth is actually Williams. So it is somebody, and they see his necklace. That's kind of the same deal. And they're playing these things, looking through these old photos. So again, uh, you know, Williams is pretending to be somebody he isn't. He's made up this persona of, you know, Prime Minister Williams. 
how could this be? This guy's old. How is he not aging? What not? And they pretty much decide vampires. And that's basically what they say. These guys and gals must be vampires. Oh, no. We better stop them. Now, in the meantime, I don't know what the, the what rules they're playing in this world in the, the deal, because we've certainly seen Williams at least sometimes at some places that were lit. It was during the day. Is he a day walker? I don't know. But you end up where Peggy says, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to go and take care of him. And she goes where she is, you know, completely camouflaged. She is invisible from that Stark tech that we saw earlier when she showed up at Harley's apartment. And she goes in with a wooden stake and is about to stake him. I mean, really, the thing is, she's going to go put a wooden stake through the heart of the prime minister, whether he is a vampire or not. It's a ballsy move. It really is. And the problem, though, is that he senses this and moves and you end up having Peggy miss. And then he calls for security. They come in. It's like a SWAT team that comes in as you end up having Peggy kind of get uninvisible. She ends up now she's visible and they handcuff her and take her away as she's yelling. You don't understand. The prime minister's a vampire. Like, yeah, that's crazy talk, lady. Nobody's listening to her. And you do have Williams there saying, oh, my goodness, you must be insane. Take her to the funny farm because how could I be a vampire as he is grinning and has fangs? And then says, everybody knows vampires aren't real. And then that is the end of this. And it's going to be concluded. This is the penultimate issue. Now, here's the thing. Besides the forced kind of social commentary, I like this issue enough. And I've liked the whole series enough. It just can't get out of its way at points trying to, you know, stick in this extra stuff, trying to go. Now, even with that, and I think Gabe had said in his reviews on the site, the idea that this book doesn't do enough of a, a you know, a what if of, 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 you know, more than just, hey, Peggy's Steve. It's pretty much what it is. And, and yeah, since Peggy's British, you know, you have that difference. But. There's not that much difference. It's just Peggy in the ice. They get her out of the ice. You get a little political. You do this. So it's not exactly a a must read. It's not exactly going to blow your mind. The concept itself is not that clever or intriguing. But I kind of like Peggy here. And I do actually like Lizzie with her. Harley's okay. And Harley's kind of joined the team Kind of just because because she's there and they need her. And I like her for the most part. But Harley's the one that you have Jamie McKelvey kind of use as this mouthpiece. And when that happens, said everything comes to a screeching halt in that. And I just wish it was a little less in your face. Earlier in the series, you had used Harley and some of her other friends to be the one yelling at Peggy. Because Peggy's like, oh, the good old days or the bad old days. Oh, things are better now. They're doing that. They're not better, you know, but she doesn't know. And they it, it kind of seemed like they were really ganging up on Peggy at one point. And Peggy seems to want to try to, you know, learn and help and make things better. So with all that, I think I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. I think the art's pretty good. But yeah, like I said, it's not a must read. But if you have some time, maybe wait till it goes on the you know, Marvel Unlimited app, if you have that. And it's, it, you're not going to be mad that you read it. I don't think you're going to love the fact it's not going to be your favorite series, but I think it's worth checking out. But I'm going to move on to the next book, 
which is a book that came out this week. All right, we'll continue and end with a book that came out this week. It is Spider-Man, actually Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 40, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Alberto Afoki, colors by David Coriel, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And I apologize if I mispronounce that, and I do mean VCs. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that VCs right. Here is the recap of Empire of the Spider Part 3. Miles and his clone bestie shift to reverse the multiverse in the hope of rescuing Miles' long-lost Uncle Aaron. Their hunt through the Spider-Verse led them to a strange and terrifying world where Salim, the evil clone of Miles, somehow survived their final battle in Forged Empire. Miles intends to take down Salim with the help of freedom fighters led by Genki and his grown-up sister Billy the Spider-Smasher. The odds are against them. Peter Parker sacrificed himself to buy them much-needed time. But Miles and company may have finally found a way to turn the tide, and that is his Uncle Aaron. And they do find Aaron. And Aaron is strapped to a machine that they end up figuring out is what is fueling. And it's his multiversal signature deal that ends up fueling the dimensional shield around the city. Yeah, it's not really well explained. It's kind of wonky, but you can go with it. And they do end up getting Aaron out of this machine. And they say, well, with Aaron out of the machine, maybe this dimensional shield will go down. They don't know if it'll take time, whatnot. But there are some subdermal transmitters that are still there in Aaron and his back and whatnot. And they have to rip those out. Not not a pleasant scene. And they need to take him back to the base because they have to get him, you know, to a hospital bed, an infirmary type deal. You can't just do this just in this dirty old warehouse. Now, of course, it's not going to be that easy. And they are attacked by Salim's, you know, pretty much stormtroopers. And they have a fight. It's an okay fight. It's very quick. Everything's going down. You get to see Shift do his thing, which I always enjoy. And you get a little trash talk between the commander of these troops and Miles, but nothing really that spectacular. And what ends up happening is a couple guys even get shot as they are lining the place with explosives and trying to run away. They go down a tunnel, and as these stormtrooper guys are chasing them, they end up detonating these charges, and the tunnel blows. The tunnel collapses in on them. Looks like a bunch of guys die. And then Genki and Billy and, you know, shift Miles with Aaron. They go back to their headquarters. And this is a pretty quick issue, but I do like it. I like the colors. Very colorful issue in this. And, again, I do like this little arc here. It was kind of weird at first seeing that Sleem had lived, things like that. But seeing Billy older, it, it gives you, you know, that future deal kind of feel in this multiverse. So you end up where the commander does go to Salim and is like, I really messed up. You know, they got away. I'm sorry they got Aaron. And at first, Salim seems really mad to the point where he's like, he's got his foot on the top of this guy's head and he's like rubbing it into the ground. But then he says he's not that angry. I'm like, what about that foot? Like, why would you do that if you actually weren't angry? Because he says, listen. And and with that, the commander is going to go through this whole list of things he messed up. And the worst is, is that as he's going to say it to Salim, Salim already knows what messed up and starts yelling at him. What, did you come to tell me that they figured out this exploit to get in? And did you come to tell me that you weren't really paying attention and they used the fact that I wasn't around? Like, he's going through all this to really make this guy crap his pants. I mean, this guy definitely crapped his pants. Probably why 
Salim insists on his people wearing black uniforms. It doesn't show, right, when they're crapping. But he ends up then kind of like all of a sudden turning. And it didn't feel like something that was like a split personality or whatever. He just says, oh, get up. Are you afraid? Do you think I'm going to kill you? Well, you know, yeah, I do. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that because actually I ended up fighting this imposter, meaning Miles. I fought him and he's pretty tough. I mean, he is me and he's pretty tough. So I can't really blame you. Plus, we're going to need all the help we can get. We need our troops. You can kind of. And I thought he was going to say something around the lines like, I'm going to give you this chance, but you don't get another. He actually doesn't say it. The commander guy says, I'm going to make sure that you realize that this was worth it. I'm going to make. It's so you realize that I'm a good guy. You know, he wants to prove himself from here as he goes off to kind of get the troops ready. Uh, because with that, they kind of know and have been able to trace and track where, you know, our group, our heroes had gone back to with Aaron. So, you know, things aren't as bad as they seem at this point. But we go back and Aaron is recovering. They weren't able to get all of the, you know, subdermal transmitters that he has he, they weren't able to get them all out but they deactivated the ones they couldn't i'm expecting that that's so that later you're going to see that this is something that can be used then he'll activate them to do some sort of shielding or something like that but in the moment everything's turned off so they are wondering is this dimensional barriers this you know shield that is around the say is this going to go up and, and disappear actually is it going to go away and it does. They actually end up seeing, and it's kind of cool, they haven't seen the sky for a while. They haven't seen Manhattan. They actually are like, oh, my God, Genki goes out. And like, I haven't seen Manhattan in quite some time. I didn't know how much I missed it. So it's a nice little deal. It's very quick. And also, we're kind of in here. We, we're not exactly in this world that long now that you're like, oh, my God, it's so awesome to see Manhattan. I don't know if I want to see Manhattan. You know, it's like I'm here. In Pennsylvania, I don't want to see like Philadelphia or Allentown, bunch of nonsense. But you end up where everybody's looking. It seems like a cool thing. Oh, this is cool. And they start seeing, oh my God, what are these like planes and ships coming our way? Oh no, it's Salim and his, you know, his army. They found us. We're going to be done now. We better get the heck out of here and get going because as this is happening, you know, all of Sleem's guys, these ships and other people, they're just lighting it up. They're blasting this whole area. People are running. People are getting shot. People are getting killed. And as you have this, you have Sleem announcing over an intercom, hey, you can see your precious sky now. Pretty cool, right? That sky. But it's the last thing you're going to see because I'm coming to kill you. And then he jumps out of this hovercraft type deal, the ship drop ship, and he's going to go attack. And you conclude next issue. This is the penultimate issue of this. Pretty cool. I mean, I end up where I I actually liked that kind of Miles's clone conspiracy. And I did like having Salim and getting shift. But things in that, like, you thought people were dead, then they weren't. And it kind of it kind of lessened it a bit. But going into this kind of multiversal deal where Salim is this emperor and going, it's kind of a cool idea it never really panned out as much as i thought it would but it's fun enough and we'll see how it concludes how it concludes will really determine you know how you feel about the whole deal but the art really good i said i like the colors so i'm going to give this a seven five out of ten and i'd like to know what everybody else thinks and it's very quick like i said that issue is a quick quick read so check it out and yeah if you want to end up 
emailing and even emailing just this show because if we end up getting mail for this i'll certainly spend some time to read everything that we get you can email us at weird science marvel comics at gmail.com and yeah if you want it for the midweek show or whatnot you can let me know and whatever we'll read it whichever show you would like and all of the links that we talk about are in our campsite bio link in the show notes of each and every show including this one so yeah thanks everybody i hope that you like this midweek type deal where we do you know a couple of these smaller books and i say smaller they're ones that i still do enjoy and hopefully i'm not as scattered i it is late i end up where when i do these shows it usually is 3 a.m like around that time and i am exhausted so i hope that i made some sense it's funny because when we get to the end i think to myself like did any of it make sense i don't even remember what i was talking about i know i mentioned crap and pants that's all i know that sticks in my head somehow but all of that yeah next week though i will be joined by a special guest for a couple of the books and we'll see how that goes and you'll have to stay tuned to see who that is but hopefully next week we'll get back to the regular schedule and this episode this show will come out wednesday night like i said things got a little bit like pushed a day and a half later with the x-men stuff but we wanted to get that out there as well so i hope that everybody enjoys all the shows on the feed. But as I say all the time, please go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. That's our a Twitter account. Follow us. We'll follow you back 100%. That is a 100% follow back policy. It is. Also go to our website at WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com to get written reviews, mostly from my man Gabe. And then go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash WeirdScience, where... You can help us out for all of this stuff that we do, all the work that we put into it, but also get a lot of exclusive podcasts, one of which is that Badass Picks of the Week podcast. Two books picked each and every week by the Badasses to Get Fresh Crew and a poll on the Patreon. And whatever two books win, we end up doing those as an exclusive Patreon-only podcast for you know our patrons. That would make sense, right? And this past week, we ended up doing New Fantastic Four number two and Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings number one. So if you want to listen to that, a podcast that was, I'm looking now, about 40 minutes long for those two books, just come on over to the Patreon. But that's it. I'm about to fall asleep. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoy a little loosey-goosey nature, a little fun. So, all right, I'll talk to you later. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.